I'm going to make sure this mic is working. Earlier it's kind of cut out, I heard, and I just realized I didn't even look up the song that I'm singing. Hope it's in here. Ah, it is. Great. All right. Saved by the songbook. All right. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness lord unto Well, that's a great song, isn't it? Great is His faithfulness, and He is faithful, isn't He? Praise the Lord for that. Well, amen. Take your Bible tonight. Turn over to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. I want to begin a uh, kind of a, a mini-series, you might call it. I just want to talk uh, over the next few weeks about living by principle, the need to live by principle. And uh, it's, it's just such a need. I mean, the world seems to find its way into the Christian arena so quickly today, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, lying, cheating, gossiping, immorality, stealing, all of those things, uh, those things are quite normal in the world. However, they should be rare in the church. I mean, that should be the exception to the rule, not the rule. And 
Let's be honest, it seems that more and more the world seems to be kind of making its way into the house of God. And so we want to we want to address some of those issues. We want to try to elevate and lift up the biblical standard. We want to encourage ourselves in truth. And so over the next few weeks, we'll talk a little bit about the need to live by principle. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll read our text and move forward. Father, thank you again for this time that we have together. Bless this time. Lord, I know it's a shorter time on Wednesdays because we take time to pray and to worship you in song and all of those things. And Yet, Lord, I'm confident that uh, you're going to use the simple truths from your word. Lord, it doesn't have to be super long. It just, Father, the truths are truly impactful already. So help us, Lord, just to listen and may our hearts be stirred. And may your Holy Spirit work and move and bring change as necessary and needed. Lord, may you convict us. Lord, we certainly are a people that live in a world that is constantly being bombarded with negativity and, and just uh, a critical spirit and Lord, just sin seems to abound every which way we turn. So help us, Lord, to just truly be uplifted today. And we'll thank you. We'll praise you. We're going to give you the glory. You're so worthy of it. Now fill me and allow me to be your mouthpiece. Oh, God, I need your presence. Oh, I can't do this myself. And I pray that you'd be with every listening ear. And Lord, may they hear in a way, a spiritual way, uh, that brings eternal change to our hearts. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. You know, that already paints an image in our mind, does it not? Followers of God as dear children. I see so many young families here in our church, and it's a wonderful thing to watch as the young children follow dad or follow mom around the church or, or find their way to parents as there's needs that they have. And it just kind of, that picture is in my mind. And as I read the passage, he's, you know, it, it seems he's trying to say, now listen, you ought to view God, your father, uh, as a child would view his daddy. And, and uh, you know, just as a child looks up to dad, just as a child uh, depends on daddy, and just as a child uh, is truly in need of their father, you are all of those things. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. We think about the love of Christ, of course, and every one of us in the room would be able to acknowledge uh, the greatest picture of that love or demonstration of that love, and of course that'd be Calvary, wouldn't it? Uh, he died in our place. He took our place on that cross, paid for our sin, and he says, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Our minds go to Romans chapter 12, don't they, when we recognize the fact that we're to present ourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We can't help but see that there in the passage as it talks about Jesus Christ offering himself a sacrifice as a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So from the passage, we note a sense of reasoning taking place here. Paul is emphasizing their relationship, their relationship as children of God. 
and he's noting that relationship, and he goes on to remind them that in light of that relationship, they're to be offering themselves as sacrifices, even as Christ made that sacrifice on their behalf. So as a result of that special relationship that they have, that you and I have now, we are to selflessly sacrifice ourselves. And we're to follow God and we're to forsake sin. We have a very unique relationship with God. A a very special relationship with God. And that's what the apostles tried to help us understand. And, And then he says, in light of that relationship, in light of that uniqueness, in light of that special relationship, you are to abstain from some things and you're to do some things and you should follow your father and you should be glad to live the life that I've called you to live. He basically implies that there's some things that should never be named among us. And again, why does he do that? What's his reasoning? Because we're his children. And he's offered himself as a sacrifice to God. And yet the erosion of our shores has been extensive. The beautiful white sands of honesty and integrity have been swept away in great quantity today in the church. We can excuse the world, can't we? I mean, the world's unregenerate. They have unregenerate hearts, and and they don't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of promise in their life. We can excuse them of that. They're void of Bible teaching and instruction. But in Bible-believing circles like ours, especially fundamental circles, where we hold the Bible high, where we declare ourselves the the guardians of the faith, where we have even memorized Scripture, we've studied the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. What excuse, what rationale, what justification could you and I possibly have for an integrity crisis? And that's basically what I want to focus on tonight is an integrity crisis. As we consider the need to live by principle, we're going to understand that first and foremost, if we're going to live by principle, we have to lay the foundation of integrity in our life. It's got to be there. And of course, there's there's no reason or excuse for lack of integrity in a believer's life. We know that. We've all been in places in our life where maybe we've done some of the very things that were listed here, or maybe we've uh, given ourselves over to the flesh and we've done some things that maybe we would say, well, God would not be pleased. But really, in reality, we have no excuse. The only excuse we have, well, is that we gave into the flesh because the Spirit of God is able to help us overcome. We know this. So... There's really no reason for or excuse for that lack of integrity. When we talk about integrity, I looked it up, of course, and uh, I looked it up in the uh, uh, Webster's 1828, and it says, moral soundness or purity, incorruptness, uprightness, honesty, integrity, comprehends the whole moral character, but has a special reference to uprightness and mutual dealings, transfers of property, and agencies for others. Basically, in our dealings with others, primarily and especially, we're to be honest and upright and we're to be able to be counted on as being trustworthy. I mean, there's integrity there. If you say hundreds when it was only three dozen, 
That's not, that's not done out of innocence. That's deliberate. And that deliberate misrepresentation is nothing less than a premeditated lie then. When we say things like, well, around 500, when it's actually 371, that's pride, and that too is a lie. When we, we, you say, I, I do this or I do that, and you don't actually do it, that a lot of times is exaggeration, right? And by stretching the story, if you will, you've basically told an untruth, and in effect, you've lied. When you and I tell stories that we've read about and, and we, we share them as though it happened to us, that's plagiarism. It's just not the case. It's just a story now, and by doing so, you become a tale-bearer, or a spinner at least, and a liar. They say that fishermen exaggerate the size of their catches. You know, and I'm sure some of them do, you know, especially around here. Maybe even most of them do. You know, I caught a fish and it was this big, right? I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't even fish, so. They say some golfers talk bigger and better games than they actually play. I've met a few of those. Politicians make promises with no intention of keeping them. And yet today it seems that people have this idea that, well, you know, when it comes to that, character doesn't really matter. Oh, it matters. Integrity matters. Character matters. So the fisherman, the golfer, the politician, or whoever else is telling the lie, they may find folks that are generally willing to overlook them. You know, we've, we've kind of been conditioned. You overlook some of that stuff, right? But it's still never an excuse. You can't excuse it. Because, see, a lie is still a lie no matter who tells it, right? Is that true? Is a lie a lie? Oh, good. I thought you all fall, fell asleep out there. The principle is always... In place. There are absolutes which do not waver and truth that is non negotiable. And as the world allows those things to slip by the wayside, as the world chooses to redefine what their truth is, we don't, we don't have that luxury, if you will. And may I be frank, we are very fortunate we don't exercise that because. In that vacillating truth, there is no concrete foundation which to build your life. We are blessed to have a book called the Bible that, that ex, you know, explains and expresses truth in a very clear, concise fashion. That we may not always enjoy the truth, but we need the truth. And we build our lives on the truth. If we don't have the truth, there's nothing to build on. So, the fish was only one pound, not three. You really only shot 50 on the backside, 
Because why? Facts are facts, right? But you know, the truth is, is that I'm going to make it. Even if the fisherman or the golfer lies, I'll be all right. I mean, he shouldn't do it, but I'll survive, right? I'll be okay. But it's a different matter when it's a Christian doing those things. Whether it's a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, or maybe just even a, just a church member. As you say, I'm just a church member. Really, that's pretty important. Because there's so much more at stake than simply you being honest or dishonest. It affects your testimony. It affects the testimony of Christ. It actually affects the future of the faith. There is no getting around it. When a Christian, any Christian, no matter who it is, no matter what element, elevate, uh, uh, ele, what, what, what I'm going to say that, level of, of, of position you may hold in the church, when we tell a lie, when we are not living in integrity and with integrity, it's nothing less than sin and it is very detrimental to the cause of Christ. It is essential that believers exercise integrity even in the most smallest matters. Uh, scientists now say that a series of slits, not a, very, not a giant gash, sank the Titanic. It's interesting. Uh, um, the, the Titanic was 900 feet long. It was a cruise ship, of course, in, the, in 1912 that set sail on its first voyage from England to New York. 1,500 people would die in the worst maritime disaster of all time. And um, the most widely held theory was that the ship had hit an iceberg, right? I mean, we've all heard that. The ship hit an iceberg, and it opened up a huge gash in the side of the liner. They speculated that that gash was like 300 feet long. And so, therefore, the ship sank, of course. And, and we've seen the movies. We've seen the, uh, I mean, I, I still can see that years ago as a kid watching the Titanic, you know, in that show and, and seeing it go, and it was crazy. And that, that show stuck with me my whole life, the Titanic. 300-foot gash, but now they've learned that's not the case at all. An international team of divers and scientists used some sound waves to probe the wreckage. Buried in the mud under two and a half miles of water, mind you. Their discovery? The damage was surprisingly small. Instead of a huge gash, they found six relatively narrow slits across the six watertight holes. The area affected was less than two sidewalk squares. Twelve to thirteen square feet. That's how small it was. And yet it sunk that huge steam liner. Very small damage. Invisible to most people. Can sink not only a great ship, but also a great reputation. Galatians chapter 5 verse 7 says... Ye did run well. 
who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Ye did run well. You were going like gangbusters. I mean, where in the world does uh, our, our brother get his saying, you're running well? Well, right there it is. You did run well, the Apostle Paul says to the church at Galatia. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Who convinced you or who caused you to not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And that's exactly what happened to the Titanic. Some, some breaks in the watertight, uh, uh, you know, uh, watertight uh, hull, and next thing you know, it's filling with water. It didn't take a 300-foot gash. It took six sliv- slivers. That's amazing, isn't it? But see, that's how volatile we are. That's how easily we could be sunk. That's why it's so important. Integrity is important. Character is important. Principle is important. See, integrity must be a mission today. You ought to look at integrity as a mission. Not just simply, well, I think I need to be a man of integrity or a man of character, a woman of integrity, a woman of character, a young person of integrity, a young person of of character. No, you need to make it a mission in your life. I am going to pursue integrity. There are so many voices, there are so many temptations that are lurking about. They kind of bite at our feet like grandma's tiny little dog, you know. They're like those flies at a picnic that just won't leave us alone, keep bothering us. They're going to distract us and they're even going to destroy us in the end if we're not proactive. We need to be steadfast, unmovable. We must maintain our integrity at all costs. See, the Bible presents truth as the norm. In Exodus chapter 20, turn there, would you please? The Bible presents truth as the norm. Again, we are being conditioned to accept the lie. That it's normal, it's common. But it's not to be common amongst the believer. It's not to be common in the house of God. That's not the case at all. As he says here already in, in our passage in Ephesians, be therefore followers of God as dear children. He even goes as far as to say, Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savor. And he goes on to make a list of a few things. He says, let it not be once named among you. Boy, this element of dishonesty, this element of not having integrity or character is not to be named among us. It is not normal. Truth is the norm in the believer's life. Exodus 20, 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. We're not going to lie. Exodus 20, 16. False witness. Say something that's not true. We're not going to do that. 
Now again, we can focus it solely on that issue, but we could talk about that in every arena, whether it be, you know, I've heard stories of some of you going to stores and someone giving you back more money or, or things that you didn't, shouldn't have had and you were honest enough to go back and say, hey, you gave me too much money back. Man, praise the Lord for that. That's a wonderful testimony. That's how it ought to be in the Christian life. Shouldn't be, well, they got a lot of money anyway. They won't miss a couple of bucks. No, we're Christians. We're going to be honest. Leviticus 19.11. Look over there. We'll just kind of walk through the Bible a little bit just for a few minutes and then we'll be done. Look at Leviticus 19.11. Again, we're dealing with this element of integrity because it's going to lay a foundation for principle in our life. Notice Leviticus 19.11. Ye shall not steal. Now listen, no raises of hands, but who has stolen something? Don't raise your hand, please. Because let's be honest, some of our, our children would be like, what? You know, but, but honestly... You know, and, and again, you say, well, I never, never stole anything from a bank. No, I never, never did that. No, we're not talking about a bank. I'm talking about when you were at school and maybe there was a piece of chalk that you thought was pretty cool and you slipped it in your pocket and took it home so you could write on the sidewalk. We're talking about a pencil that just seemed to find its way into your desk. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Hold on. The Bible says, as believers, ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. Turn to Proverbs 23, 23. <laughs> you talk about truth, you're talking about uh, you know, being upright and, and, and having integrity and character. Look at this next verse, Proverbs 23, 23. He says, by the truth. And sell it not. Buy the truth. How valuable is truth if God's telling you and I to buy it? And then he says, once you get it, don't you give it away. Don't you sell it. I don't care how much someone pays you, you never give truth away. You hold on to the truth. And you live by truth. How many times have we sold Or been bought, I should say. That's sad. That's a sad place to be in as a Christian. No way. We can't let that happen. Buy that truth and hold on to it. Don't sell it. I'd have you look this one up, but I'm afraid that we might be waiting a while. Zechariah. You know where it's at? Go ahead and find it. Brother Bob is on it right here. He's like flying. You guys better be lucky this isn't a sword drill. He'd already be standing. He's there already. Amazing, Brother Bob. Good for you, man. Zechariah 8.16. See, Brother Bob, you blew him out of the water. Hear all those pages? <laughs> all right, Zechariah 8.16. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gate, the gates. Again, 
every man the truth to his neighbor. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth. Wow. Man, how important is truth? Super important. Look at Ephesians 4.25. Ephesians 4.25. We know where that one's at. Ephesians 4.25. We're almost done with this little Bible study. In Ephesians 4.25, he says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Again, he goes on even to say, hey, wait a second. You know, here we are in this body. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Why in the world? I mean, lie to a stranger? Okay, that's not good, but you're lying to each other? That makes no sense at all. Putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Again, the point is you got to put something away, he's saying, and then you're able to tell the truth. As long as lying is in our arsenal, as long as it's part of our repertoire, then it's easily it can come out. And he's saying, you get rid of that thing. Don't even consider lies. Lies aren't part of your character or makeup anymore. You're a child of God. And he's saying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, probably the most familiar passage that addresses this issue. Colossians 3, 9. In the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is writing and he's addressing again the church and he's talking to believers and he makes a statement here that is, well, it's quite simple and it's easy to understand. And he, he tries to illustrate it, you know, and he says, Lie not one to another, Colossians 3 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. See, when we died, we died in Christ, and we were buried with him, and we rose again, according to chapter 6, verse 4 of Romans, to walk in newness of life. What he's saying is, is that simply this, you put off the old man the moment you came to Jesus Christ. That old man, the who you were, is no longer who you are. So why in the world, or how in the world even, would you be able to lie to one another? You can't if you take off, if you, he says here, he says, put off the old man. Take him off. He is no longer He's no longer, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that because some of you are like, man, those arms are amazing. Okay, so I'll put that back on real quick. So I distracted all of you. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even help but laugh at myself. But anyway, lie not one to another. See, you put off the old man with his deeds. Wow, that old man had some pretty, Pretty bad deeds at times. And he said, no, don't, 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 don't act that way. Don't put those on. You're, take those off. Those are no longer. They, they're gone the moment you came to Christ. Now, don't be putting that back on. So the teaching of scriptures are extremely clear, right? We learned that principle is important. Ethics are urgent. Integrity is essential. So during his time as a rancher, Theodore Roosevelt, who ultimately would become our president, Theodore Roosevelt and one of his cow punches, they, 
they had uh, lassoed a, a maverick steer that had gotten away. They lit a fire. They prepared to brand that steer, of course. And, of course, you use iron, so they're heating up the iron and all. And uh, that part of the, the, the part of the range that they were on was actually claimed by a man by the name of Gregory Lang. It was one of Roosevelt's neighbors. Well, according to the cattleman's rule, the steer, therefore, belonged to Lang. It was on his property. It became his property. We say uh, that, that, that uh, uh, possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? And, and so he, 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 it, this, this steer was on his property, and so as a result, well, then it technically makes it his steer. And as his cow, cowboy started to apply that brand, his brand, by the way, uh, Roosevelt's, Roosevelt said, wait, it should be Lang's brand. Oh, that's all right, boss, said the cowboy. But you're putting on my brand, Roosevelt said. That's right. That's what I'm doing. Drop that iron, Roosevelt said. And get back to the ranch and get out. I don't need you anymore. A man who's going to steal for me will steal from me. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of no wonder he became our president, isn't it? At least that's how it used to be, right? See, integrity is vital. Principle is important. We need to live by principle and that begins by being a man or woman of integrity. Because, see, if we're going to allow principle to lead us and guide us, uh, man, once you make up your mind, once you understand principle and you begin to live by principle, the decisions all fall away. The decision is already made. But you have to be willing to stick to some things. You're going to have to have some character. You're going to have to have some integrity. You've got to do things God's way. But I'll tell you, we live in a generation in a world where this is becoming less and less normal. But it ought not to be anything but normal in the church. Truth ought to be the way of life for us. It's the norm in the Bible. And one of the, as I was raising my children, honestly, there was probably nothing that I was more fanatical about than them telling the truth. If I thought there was a lie, ooh, it was bad. Because that lays a horrible foundation for their future. It'll wreck and ruin them, and it'll ultimately affect the cause of Christ too. But you can't build relationships on anything but truth. You can't build a ministry on anything but truth. You can't really build anything worth having unless there's an element of truth because sooner or later, it'll fall apart. And I just want to encourage you as we move forward in our little mini study, if you will, to begin to really look at your life. Am I an honest person? Am I trustworthy? Am I, uh, do I follow through with what I do? Am I a man or a woman of integrity? That's, too, that's so important. That pleases the Lord when we are. And honestly, it will please others. There are times that it will put you in awkward positions to be an honest person. However, you will profit 
immensely being honest. And so will everyone around you. Why? Because that's God's way for the believer, to be men and women of integrity. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the simplicity of your word, nothing complicated. But Lord, we need reminded constantly in the world in which we live where Father Truth and Right are just kind of glossed over so many times where it is normal to be deceptive and deceitful. Lord, we don't want to be men and women like that. We want to be men and women of God, those that are grateful for the cost or the, should I say, the price you paid for us on Calvary, that we live our lives as men and women of integrity. Be glorified now in our lives. Help us, Father, to be everything you want us to be. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed.